You're listening to A Little Happy Podcast, weekly conversations about marriage, kids, work, friendships, and the pursuit of living an authentic life. A Little Happy Podcast, where small moments make a big life. I am so glad you found this little happy space, and I am particularly excited about this week's episode. My name is Natty Metter, and I'm the co-host of A Little Happy Podcast. This week, I had the chance to sit down with my friend, the incredible Jean Scherfick. Jean and I have known each other for a long time and recently connected more intentionally over gosh, the last year or so, I could have talked to her for hours. During this episode, Jean shares a bit about uh, her experience as a coach, a collegiate varsity athlete, a mother, a wife, and the way in which she approaches life. We talk about strengthening the muscles around mental fortitude, the opportunities presented when we choose green lights over red lights, the power of noticing what we notice in daily life, and how over time, changing our minds can lead to beautifully imperfect lives. Jean is a wife and mother of three sons. She is the director of operations at Orange Theory Fitness Bloomington, overseeing all aspects for their two studios. She also consults with the Orange Theory Fitness France team as a fitness regional educator. She loves her Chihuahua Cutter, is a longtime vegan, and runs ultra marathons. And we talk a little bit about that journey as well. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation as much as I did. Thanks for listening to A Little Happy Podcast. Well, welcome back to A Little Happy Podcast. I'm Natty, and I am the co-host of this little happy thing that we're doing over here. We are so grateful for you taking the time to listen every week and appreciate when you subscribe and leave a review and like and share our episodes. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review. It's a great way to get our the word out about what's happening over here in this little happy space. I am particularly excited uh, for this week's episode. I am being joined by my friend, Jean Scherfick. Jean and I have known, we were just talking before we started recording, we've known each other for quite some time dating back to high school. Um, and as it goes, both of us have now found ourselves living and raising families in Bloomington. Uh, and I am so thrilled, Jean, that you have decided to join me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for um, asking me to connect in this way and, and looking forward to chatting with you. I know. It's good to, it's good to find space, I think, sometimes um, in being able to like it's almost like setting aside a like a date to talk catch up on the phone, yeah. but we just get to like record it here, which I think is pretty cool. You know, when we were talking before we started, it's funny. So you're a few years older than I am, but we really, I feel like our lives have sort of bump up, bumped up against each other over the years. We both went to high school together here in uh, this small southern town we live in, Bloomington. And throughout the years, I feel like because of social media, I've stayed connected with you. Uh, so can you share a little bit about what you've been up to? And Yeah. So after we graduated from high school, um, I ended up staying in Bloomington, going to Indiana University, which is one place I know we were at at the same time um, over a couple, couple span of years. Um, and I was recruited to run track at IU. So that was the main kind of my main motivation for staying in Bloomington. I was I feel like. Uh, kids from Bloomington are like one of two camps. It's either I'm going to IU or get me as far away 
as I can. <laughs> totally. And originally, I'm the younger um, daughter in my family. And so originally I was, get me out of here. I want to see the world. I want to go to school far away. Um, but as you know, fate would have it, uh, I was recruited and uh, continued a pretty cool legacy um, of IU athletes. So my mom was an IU athlete. My sister ended up, she went away, but came back and has a varsity letter. Um, and then my dad oh, wow. went away and played football at Butler, but then got injured and came back and was an uh, um, athlete at IU after that. So all four of us have um, IU athletics in our in our history, which is pretty cool. Um, and so when I finished, I my plan after high, after college was to go to go to law school. And I didn't even apply to IU Law School because I was not going to stay in Bloomington. <laughs> and, um, I'm married to Evan, who we also went to high school with, and he's a year older than me. And Evan had graduated from IU and taken a job at Cook, whose world headquarters is here in Bloomington. So mm. um, we got engaged young. I, we got engaged my senior year of college. And um, so I kind of had a choice to make. I was like either try to get into IU law school really quick, which of course was not going to happen. Um, or, you know, not marry Evan. So of course I made double. <laughs> so it was appropriate. I stayed in Bloomington and I worked in a law firm for a year because I didn't, didn't get right into IU law. And that was a really a nice gift using, you know, local connections and people I had known growing up. I worked um, at a law firm and decided that ultimately wasn't mm. what I wanted. Um, and so that was a really great experience that kind of helped. It totally like rattled my world. I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> so <laughs> I worked for Indiana University in the athletics department. So it was a really nice, like full circle moment for me. I got to, to give back to student athletes after having been one. Um, and, and that led to having a family and making the choice to be a stay at home mom for quite a few years. And then realizing that wasn't totally fulfilling for me personally and needed something to do on the side. And that's where I began my fitness journey. So I got certified as a personal trainer I guess, 12, 13 years ago and oh, started wow. a business um, on my own and then eventually got into, I'm a certified yoga teacher. I've been through two training schools um, as a yoga teacher and that's where I found um, my current um, bosses. They were students at the yoga studio where I taught and they opened a fitness franchise and that's what I do now. I'm the director of operations for Orange Theory in Bloomington and we have two studios. Um, it's been six years. Uh, we celebrate our sixth birthday of the Eastside studio this month. And I've worked for them for six and a half years. So about six months leading up to that studio opening. And it's been just personally so fulfilling and a kind of an answer to a big question mark of like, what am I doing professionally? Yeah. Uh, you know, balancing motherhood and having an identity outside of that. And um, so that's what I do now. I raise three boys and still happily married to Evan and um, you know, doing the fitness thing. I do that here in Bloomington. I also have a relationship with Orange Theory France and that's mm. another dream come true. Being able to travel to Paris was like a bucket list item of mine. Um, and that, that became a reality through my fitness job, which, which was pretty wild. I never would have, would have guessed that back in, in high school when I was planning my future, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All these like best laid plans we have, you know, as 18 something year olds and yeah, and you've been you haven't been to Paris just one time. You go like pretty often. Yeah, I went um I started going for work. I originally went like they sent me to help train some new coaches um and that turned into um deep friendships. Like I'm very close to their owner and their studio ma manager and some of their coaches um from that original team and that led to an opportunity um through a friend from Bloomington who 
kind of like uprooted and moved to Paris. She was like, I'm living in France. And um, she was a teacher at our high school, actually. And she created an opportunity for me to be able to go through like a timeshare. Basically, she had an apartment in France that she she called it the sisterhood. And there were 12 mm-hmm. of us all knew her directly. And she really made that possible for me to go visit several times, not for work. Um, last year, I went four times. And um, that was for for fun and for running and for sharing that with my son. And I got to go with my mother. And um, it's just been been a really cool reality that that I never saw coming. So I love, yeah. it. I love France. I love it. There. <laughs> it is like the it truly is an example of the power of like connection that we share. And I think you're referring to Pat Russo, right? Yeah. So Pat was on our, she came on, oh gosh, a few months ago. It was such a special conversation I, I had the chance of having with her. Uh, and we, I recorded really early in the morning because she was in Paris. Right. And um, and so everything that she has uh, going on is really, I think she's creating really special space for people. So if, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I would highly recommend it. Take a look back in some of the episodes that we've recorded. Um, but it's it, it reminds me so much of the power of co- this connection that we have. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's unique to Bloomington, to the place we live. I mean, I think it's kind of wherever you are, if you, you know, invest in relationship and friendship with people and you're willing to like take a leap and try things like kind of out into the unknown, mm-hmm. how beautiful your life can be. And it sounds a little bit, as you are sharing that, it you've said yes to a lot of things without understanding maybe what the end goal would be, you know, like law school or getting married, working in a law firm, working at IU, you know, all these different choices that you've made over the years, I think has led, at least from what I see, and I have the beauty of like witnessing a lot of what you do, whether it's social media or just knowing you in town of building this like pretty beautiful life. And I'm excited to talk a little bit. So today we could talk at length, I think about a lot of the things that you just mentioned. And I'd love to talk about, you know, your, how you happened into some of the work with Orange Theory and your, um, I'd love to hear about uh, your experience as a, you know, as a college athlete growing up in a family of, I don't think, I knew your mom was a a collegiate athlete. I didn't know that your sister and your dad both were Mm -hmm. as well though. Um, And how you, you know, you're being intentional with your boys about raising them and letting them pursue things they're really interested in. Um, you know, I reached out to you, I don't know, was like a couple of months ago on via Instagram and was like, okay, here's the thing. I'm thinking about doing this running race situation. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I have gotten into, you know, I've shared a little bit here and on Instagram and stuff that I've gotten into running recently. I was never a runner in high school. I played tennis in high school. I rode, you know, intramurally in the little 500, which is a a real, a pretty popular bike race here in Bloomington. And I have run like recreationally, but really more because quote, I've had to, you know, like whether it's for like cross training or, you know, you're like, I remember actually, it's so funny. I signed up to run cross country as a seventh grader and I hated it. Like I, I remember sitting on the steps at my parents' house and crying, being like, I don't want to do this anymore. And my parents being like, well, we, you know, you have a choice. Like we made this commitment Mm -hmm. so you can either see it through or you can't. And like, let's figure out what that looks like for you. And so of course I like begrudgingly ran up and down Sarah road, like before any of that, there's an area down in Southern, like where we live in Bloomington. It was not developed at the time. There was like maybe one little street. And I remember just thinking like, this just sucks. Like, 
But now, I don't know, I think it might be like season of life. Um, I have found running to be such a release for me, mm-hmm. a space. I, I, I don't know. I have told my husband, you know, Chris, that it's the time where I can like sort life out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and either, and either if I'm running by myself or get to know friends better by spending time out running together. And so I reached out to you and said, I'm thinking about running this ultra distant, um, race, a 50 K you're an ultra distant runner, um, like pretty well regarded, I think, um, having done a lot of that training, run these races that are like lots and lots of miles long. Um, and so that's super cool. Like obviously the, the feat of running, but what I have found myself to be really inspired about and continue to look to you for is the, the reason why you do it, the way that you set goals and manage time being a full-time working mom of three boys who I I think are pretty active, (laughs) you know, and managing all the other stuff that you have your hands in. You know, I think it's really interesting to think about how we as women, um, can carve out space for us and not feel guilty or selfish about spending time doing things that we love to like fill up those parts of us so we can be whole for like the rest of the world, you know? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about maybe your reflection around running and, um, and also, you know, more about sort of the, yeah, the reasoning behind a lot of the, the things that you do. Yeah, sure. Um, So it's funny you say like you were never a runner. I wasn't either. I always joke that I ran 12 steps, which is the length of a high jump approach. I (laughs) was not a runner. I didn't run. I never ran cross country, which now I'm very involved in the cross country senior because I have a high schooler running cross country. And my, my soccer player also uses cross country to train in middle school. And they're like, you never ran cross country. I was like, you couldn't have paid me to run cross country. Um, and I actually, by the time I was a senior in high school, I needed, I had been so involved in track and field year round. I was training year round as a high jumper. I needed something to do in the fall that was like fun. And, but still I wanted to be in a sport. And so I played golf at South my senior year. Oh my God. That's hilarious. It was like, could I have run? Probably. Was I going to? No way. No. <laughs> I would play golf for a season and, and had a lot of fun on that team too. But um, so I got into running after I had my first baby. And that was more of a like kind of to get out of the house, but also as a way to like, you know, get in shape. Like this is something I can do. It doesn't cost me any money. Um, I can just go right out my door and get a workout. Um, you know, making the choice to be a stay at home uh, parent with, with my, with my husband was a sacrifice. I mean, one income, um, as 25 year olds, 26 year olds, (laughs) I mean, we were, we were definitely, definitely making it work, but, um, it was, it was tough. So I didn't have a gym membership. I didn't have any other way to be fit. Um, and so running became the thing that I did and I really enjoyed it. I was pretty good at it, which is sort of one of my like fatal flaws. It's like, "Eh, if I'm not good at it, I'm not, it doesn't right. get my attention for very long. I'll be honest. And I was like, Hey, I can do this and I'm getting faster and I'm getting better. Um, and so I started like, you know, five K's. I did a few sprint triathlons, um, just for fun. And, um, it just became a thing that I did. And when I was a yoga teacher, I didn't do much else other than yoga. I had a really advanced yoga practice. That was what I focused on. Um, I was, I was very much a, like, I want to get the big posture. So I, I identified in myself that I was a goal setter and I, I had to have something to work towards, which is totally 
not what yoga is, by the way. Just, you know, I, I fully it's like <laughs> yoga is not this, just the postures, but I really fell in love with that challenge that came from the asana of yoga. And then once I got connected with Orange Theory, it was, it really connected my love of like the understanding of the human body and helping people understand their body better so that they can live the life that they want. And then being a person who motivates and helps change minds. And, you know, um, one of the, one of my main things that I really think about a lot right now when I'm out running is that so many of us as adults have learned to doubt ourselves. It's a learning mm. to doubt ourselves. Um, no little kid thinks I can't do that. You say, Hey, go, go run. And they're like, okay. You know, and it's right. through what we define as failure. It's through what we identify not being, you know, reaching the bar that we've set for ourselves or that really others are setting for us that we've learned to doubt that we can do things. So when I, I met a friend through orange theory, um, and she was like, you've got to come run on the trail, with me. just do one trail race with me. And I had, I had many failed attempts at running a, an ultra, a full marathon on the road. I had signed up for the Carmel marathon in 2020, got canceled because of COVID. And, um, I'd run, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 half marathons before that. And so a friend of my friend, Sarah, who's a coach and studio manager at orange theory, she and I were like, let's just go, let's just make a marathon. So we made a course in Bloomington. And it's like, I mean, that was peak. I mean, it's a month, three weeks after COVID shut everything down. Um, and so we were following all those reports of like, stay this far away and don't run in front and behind of each. I mean, it was like, even running became something that you had to like, you know, think yeah. of COVID. but we were like, we're doing this. And we, we made a course that was, it went by the hospital to honor the, you know, the people working in the hospital and through all of the like little hot spots in Bloomington. And it was, let me just say, I will never be a race director because it was the hardest 26.2 miles I've ever run in my whole life. Like it would have not been a passable course for a sanctuary. Right. It really brought people together. We were so, we posted the course. We told people, if you want to come out and get out of your house for a little bit, this is where we're going to be. And we were blown away. You talk about community, like blown away at the number of people who showed up along the course and were ringing cowbells and had made signs. And um, it really, for both of us attempting that distance for the first time, it was, it's what made it possible. So that kind of woke my eyes up to the idea of like, hmm, things longer than 26 miles are possible. So my friend mm. introduced me to um, trail running and my first race ever was December of 2021. And I agreed to do it with her because she talked me into signing up for a hundred miles. So why does that even happen? How do you get talked into doing that? So you talk about like goal setting. I always have been, and my, my friend Lyle, who owns the Orange City Regional Bloomington, he's like, why, why do you set your goals so high? He's like, mm. it seems like you're set up for disappointment. And I think that is a personality trait. Like some people need to set like smart goals, right? Like that, that analogy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with aiming for something really, really big. And if I don't get it, I can still appreciate all the work it take, takes to get to where I got. Mm. And it still stays a goal of mine. I'm like, I didn't get it this attempt, but that's out there. And I know it's, I can get there eventually, right? It just mm -hmm. repetition and more time. So Carolina was like, sign up for the hundred miler with me in October of 2022. All right. So because I'm busy and because I've never done this before, I knew I had to have something to keep me committed to it along the mm -hmm. way. I was motivated to do it, but that's different than being committed to doing it. So I agreed to do my first um, ultra in December, the week, it was the week of my birthday. And we went to the Red River Gorge. 
Mm. And we couldn't get just the 50K, which is what we wanted. So we signed up for the double, which is 50K on Saturday and 25K on Sunday. And she was like, look, after we run the 50K, if we're just like, no, we're not doing it. We only are out a little bit of money. But of course we get there. We run the 50K and we're like, we paid for it. We've got to do it, which is kind of my like slogan for ultra running. I'm like, I paid for it. I got to do it. Right. my very first ever trail run was 75 kilometers over the course of two days. And I felt like invincible. I was like, well, if I can do that, like I can do anything, right? This is the way my mind works. Right. So, but I knew that if I didn't keep going with like with races, I would very easily fall off my training. So I ran an ultra marathon every month for an entire year. So tell it, wait, so First of all, I remember following that and being like, I don't, I mean, like incredible. So, but for those that are listening that can't do the math, because I never can, I always have to get my calculator. Can you, what are the, so a 50K is how many miles? 30, 31.1 ish. And with trail running, it's always like pretty close. Like it's not exactly like a, like a road marathon, but it's, it's at least 31.1 miles. Okay. Yeah. So you're, so you're committing to, to running like consecutively, not over the course of a month, 31 miles every single month for a whole year. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I I would have to, I knew I would have to change my distances along the way. So I kind of picked, um, I, I'm, and it's so funny that you reached out to me for advice because like, I was totally winging it. Like I, people were like, how many miles do you do on the trail? And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) right. I, um, so I, my biggest goal was like, don't get injured. Right. Like I know, I know how overuse and, you know, ramping up too fast and all of that works. And so my goal was to, um, do a couple 50 K's consecutively. I wanted to try a timed race, like a 12 hour, 24 hour, that sort of thing, just to see the difference. Um, and then I placed like very strategically a 50 mile race, a hundred kilometer race, which is 70 or 62.2 or more, um, (laughs) miles. And then that would lead up to, there would be sort of a taper. I would do a 50 K the month before my hundred miler. And then my hundred miler was in October. So I did one fifty mile and 100 kilometer. The rest were 50 K. Um, and it was great because every, it's sort of like people with road running, they talk about like, Oh, what's your PR. And with trail running, first of all, with trail running, you don't really know what it is until you do it. So right. <laughs> like, why does it take them so long? It's not that much farther than a marathon. Why is it taking like three or four hours longer than a marathon? Yeah. Then I get out there in the Red River Gorge and I'm like, oh, Oh. because I'm literally hiking a mile up like a 20 grade incline and I can't run that. So um, it's trail running, but there is a lot of hiking involved as well, which I'm sure with some of your experience now on on like our local trails, there's some pretty big hills and you can, you got to, you got to hike up those. But um. So I use some of them as just training runs. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. there were times where I'm like, all right, I'm not going to push myself. Um, And I think the biggest thing that I learned in that year was that I'm more independent than I thought. Mm. Used to be the kind of person that was like, I hate, I would say, I hate being alone. Um, I'm a people person. I like being around people. And I didn't know what to do when I was, by myself. So I would seek out like, Oh, I'll just go to coffee or I'll go to lunch. And I think a lot of that was because as a stay at home mom, I was alone with my kids a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went to almost every single race alone. 
I would sleep in my car on some of them. <laughs> if there wasn't like, I mean, it was like sleep in a tent or sleep in my locked car. Like I'm going to sleep in my locked car. Yeah. And I, I mean, and some of my races were pretty far away, four or five, six hours. And some of them, you know, I was like, I'm not going to pay for a hotel room. So I'm going to spend the night on Friday in my car. I'm going to get up and run and I'm going to drive home on Saturday. Um, and so I learned a lot about myself last year doing that. And um, I made some pretty cool connections with people who like trail running. And um, that community is so supportive, like going there, not knowing anybody. Um, and even though I'm a people person, I I am a little shy in situations where I don't know anyone. I'm not just like, hey, I'm here. I'm Jean. Like I kind right. of slowly find the person that I think is going to like want to talk to me, you know, Um and so it was, it was really cool. It, it took a ton of support, like obviously for me to run that much and to travel that much. My husband was vital in my success for being able to leave my kids for the weekends sometime. And some of them were very into like in July, I went to Grand Island, Michigan, which is mm. off the coast of the UP. It's, you can literally, the next thing is Canada. So it oh, was wow. there. Um, and because it was so far, we took, we made that a trip, um, it was over my youngest son's birthday and my parents went and, um, Evan had to stay back for a work emergency sort of thing. But, um, it was, I mean, I just went places I probably would never go unless there was a trail to run there. So it was a really cool year where I learned that our body does have limits, but our mind really doesn't. Mm. There were some times where I probably should have, or would have stopped physically. Um, but because I said, I'm getting to the finish line. I did. I found a way. And, um, I'm certainly not fast. I'm not elite when it comes to like finish times. And there's a lot of races I want to do that I'll have to qualify to be able to do, but, um, it's totally changed the game of running for me. And, um, I'm, I mean, I'm brand new. It's been a year and a half of, of doing this sport. And, um, I feel like it is something that I can do a long time because it's, it's lower and it sounds crazy, but it's lower intensity than running on a road, like mm. a marathon and you're trying to get a time and you're trying to race people that be, that was beating up my body. My, my, my hamstrings didn't like that. My IT bands didn't like that. I was, my feet from being a jumper for all those years were struggling and I've been able to run lots and lots of miles without really any significant injuries other than my toenails. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, you know, I still, I'm excited about it. It's pretty, and, and, you know, making a connection with you and, and being able to share it with other people and new runners. Um, that's how I got into it was someone was like, Hey, try it. And um, I think that's exciting that you're getting into it and, and uh, you're really training really intentionally for it. And I saw your post today about how many miles you went last month. And I, I think <laughs> it's going to be so exciting to see you, to see you take on that race. Well, thanks for saying that. And thanks for sharing. You know, I think the, the like athletic physical feat of what, you know, pe when people decide to do things like this, you know, whether it's running, whether it's cycling, taking up, a taking up anything, you know, yoga or Pilates or walking, going from, you know, really, you know, I, a, a few years ago, I really went from, I mean, I would, I would have struggled doing a couch to 5k, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that seasons of life sometimes for me and my experience has been, I've had seasons where I just, you know, like, you know, mentally have, and I've shared this here, you know, I've gone through big depression, big anxiety, big things that just like totally sideline you. So you can't have space mm -hmm. for like 
movement. And, um, and so for people, you know, you talked a lot about, you know, your, your body obviously being able to, you know, do these amazing things, but really the mind part, I think is the coolest thing to think about and to talk about is that like mental strength and the muscle that we have in, um, our attitude and our, and our brains being able to like, keep going, um, or in the, I think at the end of the day, it's also like some serious belief in yourself. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we talk about a lot as grownups because mm-hmm. it kind of sounds silly, like believe in yourself. But like for real, though, mm-hmm. I know I have gotten myself into situations where the biggest enemy is me, yeah. you know, because I, I think I can't do it. I'm worried about failing. I'm worried about what other people might think. Yeah. Um, I'm worried it might be too, you know, for something like this, I'm taking too much time away from my kids. Like, so can you talk a little bit about how you, how you approach like strengthening that muscle of mental t- toughness, but also maybe just like mental fortitude, you know, the ways in which we can strengthen that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big believer and I I use this when I coach is that we need to be looking for two things. We need to be looking for wins. So we are trained, part of that like being trained to doubt ourselves is that we recognize more the things we didn't do than the things we do. So when we're doing like a really hard workout at Orange Theory, I like to use the phrase and everything I say to members are things I say to myself. Like the mm-hmm. way the reason I know to say them to them And that I think they're going to help is because I've used them on myself in my own physical challenges. So um, I I like to remind them that when it's really hard, you need to focus your energy on what is going well. What are you doing right now? Not what aren't you doing, not Mm -hmm. what feels bad, what, what hurts, what's difficult, but what doesn't, what feels okay. Where are you soft? Where are you relaxed? Where are you still really successful? Um, And when we can redirect and, you know, it's, it seems really basic, but we call our emotions, the other word is feelings, because we do actually experience what we're thinking about. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's so simple in its instruction, but so difficult and takes really intentional practice is like, just change your mind. So when you're doing something that's really tough and you're noticing like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I had a race, my 100K race did not go as planned. And I, fortunately, I had a network of people that I knew I could call if there was cell signal. That's the other thing about like sometimes we're off the grid. Like where in the world is Gene Sherpick? Yeah. So, um, but there were a couple people I knew, and I knew based on what I was experiencing who my person was. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated. I was so deep into this year of running. I had I had a goal. I had an expectation for myself, and it I, it was it was gone. I, there was no way I was going to get my goal. And I wanted to quit so badly. And they were like, you have to change your mind. You have to change your mind about how you're going to do this race. And you need to decide right now that walking the rest of the way and finishing before the cutoff is a win. Mm. And just simply by redefining and looking for my win. It's so crazy. Looking back now, I was like every aid station, I was bawling. I was falling apart. And you talk about like mental strength. Part of the mental process for me was that there were races where I was absolutely laid bare. Like I was, I was done. Like I was mentally done, emotionally done, physically done, but I didn't stop. I actually Mm. finished, you know? And, um, in that race, because I was like, I changed my mind and I was like, fine, I'm just going to walk. I walked up on a guy who was significantly younger than me. And I was walking, but I was not happy about it. And I was having my, 
hating life. And he was start, just started talking to me. He was so calm and he was so kind. And we get to the aid station and he was like, hey, you can do this. And like this bumping, he was like, you want to do it together? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, why don't we just stay together the rest of the way? At this point, we had, I think we had, we had four hours to go still. That's, I mean, a, that's a long time, sister. And it was through the night. We, I finished yeah. that race at two in the morning. Oh my so, gosh. Um, I'll never forget him. He was so gracious. And so, and I, I, I spent so much time. And I think this is something we, I learned, I learned, I won't speak for every woman, but I learned as a woman too, was like, wow, you are really helping me. Mm. I don't receive help that well. And I don't ask for it very often. So I, I was like, wow, this guy is really helping me like keep it together and keep it positive. And it took me like two hours in to realize I was helping him too. You know, right. he wasn't out there alone. He had someone to talk to. He had someone to keep him going. And um, that was a really interesting moment for me that I, I've never been so close. There were a couple of races I quit and we can talk about that. I had a couple uh, did not finish uh, for different reasons, but that one in particular was, was a huge win for me because I changed my mind. I changed my plan and I still came out with a victory. Um, I, I finished the race and sometimes that's, you know, that's the best we could do. So I use that a lot, like look for the wins um, and notice what you notice. So notice where you're dwelling on. And if what you're dwelling on is making it worse, you have the choice to think about something else. Like mm -hmm. you can control what you're thinking about. You can't control the race. You can't control the work situation. You can't control the conflict, but you can control how you respond to it and how you think about it. And when it comes to like a physical task, whether it's something as what people consider difficult as an ultra marathon or just getting up off the couch and making yourself do something. You just got to change the win, how you're defining that. And, and what's really cool about those wins is that they, they, they produce another one. So mm -hmm. I always, success leads to another success. So if you can notice where you were successful, you're going to notice the next time and the next time and the next time. And that leads to, wow, I can do more. I can do something bigger. I want to do something more and bigger. Um, and it's just that shift of what you're looking for. And, and a, a similar situation, there's a song um, by Cruella and it's called Green Lights. And mm. it's just a super motivating song in and of itself. But it's that similar concept is like, are you putting up red lights or are you looking for green lights? Because <laughs> this is sort of funny, like Bloomington parallel driving around. There is not just one way to get somewhere in Bloomington. There's like no. ways to get somewhere in Bloomington. <laughs> right. And my kids are learning that like, you know, I grew up driving here. I still live here. I'm like, Ooh, there, this, this, there's a red light. We're going this way. You know, it's like, that's a concept in life is there are going to be a lot of red lights. There's going to be a lot of no's mm -hmm. of like, you can't do that naysayers or you shouldn't do that. Oh running. yeah. Like I've had my fair share of guilt over running and, yeah. um, the way I look at it and the way I overcome that is I would never want my kids to feel that. I would never mm -hmm. want a child to feel like they had to give up what they wanted for someone else's expectations or standards. Um, and there, you know, there is a certain level, I'm not going to say there's not a certain level where maybe you are neglecting your responsibilities, but something as healthy as taking care of yourself or, or running or, you know, whatever your exercise or your, it could be going to yoga. I mean, I meet people all the time at Orange Theory who are like, I just don't know if I can take that hour out of my day. And mm. I think it's really important that we reinforce and we continue to talk about like, you're entitled to that. You are worthy of having time that is for yourself. 
And, and we've heard the analogy, like you can't fill up someone else's cup if your cup is empty. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so true. And for me, the, the cool thing about ultra running at first was it forced me to be disconnected. Like when you're out running and you're training, like you can't be on the phone. You're not going to answer every text that comes in. And I had made myself so available to mm. everyone else because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Um, that when I was gone for a couple hours running, people figured out like how to do things. Or I realized I'm not that important. Like there it is. Important. Right. <laughs> right. Like, can you imagine? Like I had that feeling once too, where it's like, oh, so everything continues to click along just fine without me, you know, this idea that we're like irreplaceable, you know, I mean, I think it's the, for me, it it is, it can get into like, I think it's probably either me worrying about missing out on something, this expectation of that I should, I shared with a, um, a friend who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I heard someone say like, stop shooting on yourself all the mm-hmm. time, you know? And I could go back to that often, like, because we do as women, I think, and men do too. But, you know, from my perspective, um, we should all over the place. Like I should, I should, or shouldn't, I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. I should stay home. I should, you know? And so the, Talking about it for me is helpful because it reinforces the fact that it's important, but it's the putting it into action that is really hard of mm-hmm. some of these things that you're sharing of like the changing, the changing your mind part. I really resonate with that. Like this idea that I, if I could slow down enough to realize that I have a choice and just as simple, I mean, it's, it's the, the concept simple, the action's hard right. of changing the changing the thought and that over time, I love that because at first for me, I've done that and I've been, I've changed the thought, you know, into something that more positive or something more compassionate towards myself. And I'm still just pissed, you know, I'm just angry because it's like, well, none of this is working. Um, but I think over time it's like stacking habits. Like I think you stack positive mantra on top of itself and then it starts to become more of a innate behavior. And so then, you know, then you're off sort of to your own race a little bit, but the, the changing of the mind, um, is a really powerful thing. And I think it, it, you know, in the perspective of, you know, ultra running or, you know, any sort of exercise, there's that, you know, there, there is that element, but in the everyday part, you know, in the going from one meeting to a next, in the leaving my house to go pick up my kids from school, the, like in the transition moments of my life, I find that's where it's really important for me because that's where I can derail pretty quickly. Like, oh my God, we're not moving fast enough. You know, we're not moving fast enough. We need to get out of the house or, Chris isn't home yet from work and I'm, I really need to get dinner on the table and I need some time, you know, all of those things. I don't know if you have, you know, any perspective or thought on how you, you know, navigate through those like transitions in life, especially with busy kids and finding time for yourself. Um, you know, any perspective on that? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I'm definitely a work in progress there. I think, um, when you're, when you're in the role of like orchestrating the days of so many people and making, and you, it's, you know, it's on your plate to make sure everybody gets where they're going and, and has what they need. And, you know, it's the, the balance between, especially with parenting, like for me, the balance between the long-term goal, but like, I want to have productive, happy, healthy children that make the world 
a good place to live. You know, they're not right. Um, right. And, but also then like, when you, are you looking at it from that macro level or do we get caught up in the micro level of like everything today has to be perfect? I have mm. to treat them well. I have to make sure that they have what they need. Like realizing, um, you know, and as your kids get older, it gets easier to realize it. Like you can't do it all. And so what you can do is prioritize, like what needs to be done today and what doesn't. And I find where a lot of moms and friends of mine that I talk to that are like, feel like they're not, because I'm currently in a season of like, I feel like my kids are going through some serious transitions in their life. Like Mm. my, my oldest just started high school. My middle just started middle school. And my youngest is now alone at his elementary school. Like they're dealing with some pretty big stuff. And so for me, I feel like that means I need to be even more available to them, but I'm busier than I've ever been personally and professionally, you know, Mm -hmm. that balance and what has to give. And, you know, for me, it's the control of like the house looking perfect or Mm. not clean, clean. Like it's tidy sometimes, but like the floors aren't always, I wouldn't eat off my floors right now. You know, (laughs) as long as there's not like food sitting out, I'm okay with some dishes laying around, which like, you know, rewind 10 years ago, I would have considered that a fail because I was a stay at home mom and that was my job. Sure. So it's like, you got, I've, I've learned, I got to take with what, where I'm at and what's really important. And for me, it's more important that I sit and help them with their homework when they're crying about it, than clean up the kitchen after dinner. And I Mm -hmm. going to have that own value set of what's important. And I think for me, what I've looked back on is especially balancing like, well, I still want to go run and I still want to do these races. And I think what I think back when, okay, what do I remember as a kid? What are my memories as a child? And then I asked my parents, like, were you at everything? Cause it seemed like you were at everything. And right. Like, oh no, we were not at everything, you know? And so I'm like, okay, great. That is me using generational experience to say, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be present in every single thing they do, but am I there enough that they feel supported? And I think one thing, at least some of my friends I've observed is they're afraid to ask their kids, Mm. you what you need. Do you have what you need from me? And, um, I, that's been something I've been able that I've humbled myself because as the parent, we're supposed to know, right. We're supposed to Mm -hmm. know what our kids need and we're supposed to anticipate that. And I mean, at least that's what kind of what I drew from from my, my, my life up to this point. And sometimes I'm shocked that they're like, no, I need this. Or they're like, I don't really care when you do that. That doesn't, that's not really necessary for me. Right. You know? And so like being able to check in with them is like, what's important to you. Then I can make sure I'm filling their needs and there's still some time left over for other things. You mm-hmm. know, I think for me, the biggest lesson has been that you're not going to do it all. You're just not going to do it all. And there really isn't, it kind of comes back to that self-importance lesson of like, I need to be a good friend to these people. I need to be a public servant. I need to like, you just aren't going to be able to do all of those things. Well, you might Mm -hmm. be there for all of them, but not fully (laughs) present. And so I'm making a shift in my life of like, what can I say yes to that I can be present for? Mm. Because that is more impactful to the people you're doing it with. And it's more fulfilling to me to be able to actually get something out of it than to just say, I was there doing it. Right. So I think it boils all these things I'm saying. I think it boils down to the same thing of like noticing what you notice. Like I'm stressed by being a part of something 
that I'm not actually meeting my own expectations for. So it's probably better for everybody if I just say no to that. <laughs> like it, it actually probably is better if I'm just not involved because otherwise I'm constantly feeling like I'm letting somebody down mm-hmm. and they're not sure if I'm going to be there or if I'm going to follow through. And I think that's a lesson that I really want to teach my kids is like, it's better to just be present in the things you're doing rather than feeling like you have to do them all, which I think kids right now, these gen- this generation is expected to do so many things. So many things. They are right. so scheduled, you know? And, right. Um, so I don't even know if I directly answer your question, but I think it's like focus, knowing where you're focusing and being able to have your mind in that moment. I call in, in yoga and then in fitness, I call it single pointed focus. Like our mind is designed to be able to do a lot of things at once. We Mm -hmm. can multitask, but it actually is a skill to just do one thing. Like I'm just going to do one thing right now. And I'm, I'm going to give all of, cause my mental energy is a part of my physical energy. So if I'm trying to do all these things and I've got my, you know, all my different tasks going at once, that is, we've all had those long days where we just physically drained at the end, mm-hmm. but compartmentalize your tasks so that your mental energy is present in those, that one thing in my experience and through working with some, I had a health coaching business for a while. We're actually less physically drained by the end of those days. Right. So, and that's a thing with, with, with an extreme or an endurance event like running that I've been able to apply is like, if I can actually just focus on what I'm doing in this mile, I'm going to get to hundred because I'm not worried. I'm not, my energy mentally is not in mile 100. It's in mile seven and then mile 70. And then my, you know, and so it's like that, that same way of just do one thing at a time and be all there when you're doing it, you can apply that to every aspect of your life. So even if work is screaming at you and your kid is crying over math, in that moment, I'm choosing math and I'm going to give all my energy to math and I've got to hold off work. And I've not been perfect at that. I still pick up my kids in the, from school on the phone with a work call. Oh, and sure. Tell they're like, mom, yeah. mom. Like, come you on. Know? Yeah. Days where I'm not, I make, I protect that time for them. We have a conversation. We have a connection, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to be perfect, but anytime I can do that, I think it layers onto their memory bank of mom being present mom being, yep. you know, in, in the things that I'm doing. And that's how I try to do it is not a hundred percent every day, but a hundred percent in every moment and make space for those moments the best that I can. I, I love that. I think you, as you were talking, it reminds me of, um, advice that I've been given, especially in these seasons of trying to, you know, juggle all of the different things of simplifying, Mm -hmm. you know, in the moments where my life has, has really, where I've just been like laid out on the road and like, just like, don't know which way's up. You know, I've been through seasons of life where I've just been completely lost and you kind of come up for air and you finally realize like, I haven't been breathing in like kind of a while, you know, and I need help, you know, is people had said like, okay, well then strip down every single thing that you do not need Mm -hmm. um, and focus on this, whatever this is. And for me, it's usually family. It's my kids. It's my own, you know, mental and physical health. It's in, in, you know, my faith, whatever that is. And when I have been able to simplify it down to that, um, everything becomes just a bit more present. And I love that reminder um, that it's not going to be a hundred percent every day. So just because you do it really well one day and the next day it goes to complete garbage, you yes. know, that we have this choice also in that day. I remember someone telling me like,
like I, I used to set, I don't really love New Year's resolutions. Um, because I think for me for such a long time, they would be like broken records. You know, I would set a resolution, like, let's say I'd say, um, I want to exercise more or I want to not drink caffeine. Um, and then I would fail on like January 5th. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, well, I can start again tomorrow. I'd be like, well, screw it. I'll start in next year, you know? And then I'd spend the whole year in whatever behavior, Um, I knew I didn't want to have it in part of my life because it didn't bring me all of these things of being present and everything. And so this idea of knowing that, you know, in the middle of a day, if it's gone to complete garbage, um, that we have this choice, um, to be able to change our mind, Mm -hmm. to be able to notice what we notice. Like, I love those things. They're really simple and they're easy to grab onto like mantras to grab onto Mm -hmm. because then you can just like pivot and it may not feel good, but, um, but you've made a choice to yeah. do it rather than just like let, you know, let you go with the stream and the streams like heading down into the river and then you're out to sea, you know? Um, so I love that reflection. Um, and it's something that I need to hear often, um, because we get so busy, like you said, we get so busy and the running of the day that, um, when we stop, it's wonderful. I, for a while had a, time in my phone that would ding at one o'clock in the afternoon. And it would be like a five minute reflection, like just sit for five minutes, turn off the lights wherever you are. Like, and my brain usually would go to like my to-do list and it would be my brain for the first four minutes and 50 seconds would scramble right around like, this is so stupid. Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. And then the last 10 seconds would be quiet. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you know, then the 15 seconds and then 20 seconds. And so this idea of doing it sort of bit by bit um, is really powerful stuff. So thanks for sharing that. Of course. I think the biggest, like tying all this together and what we've, you know, you're listening to you say that I think the biggest thing for me is comparison is such a part of everybody's life. I think when we try to, on the surface, when we say what we want, the, the, the initial response is based on what we think we should be doing. Like, Mm. But if we actually sit down and say, what do I really want? Like, what do I really want? And you can relay that to any of these topics, your physical well-being, your athletic endeavors, your parenting, your relationships, your work. Like, what do I really want? And I always tell people as their coach, if you really want something, you are going to move mountains to make it happen. Like when you really sure. want it, you are going to find a way. If you really want to buy something, you're going to sacrifice money somewhere else to buy it. Or you're going to deal with the consequences of spending your money on things. <laughs> Right. right. It's the same thing. Like if you really want to lose weight, that's what you really want. Then you recognize that there's an action you're going to have to take consistently. And when you take that action, because there isn't more than what's out there, time, energy, support. I mean, it's only a hundred percent is out there. That means you're sacrificing something. Mm-hmm. So you have to take action and that's going to require that you sacrifice something. And both of those things are worth it if you really want it. So with running, if I really want to run that race, I'm going to have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to have to give up something, whether that's my comfort zone, my time with my family, my toenails, like something is (laughs) something's going to give lose something by getting what you want. And you just it takes a lot of confidence in yourself and it takes that presence to remember when it's really hard that this is what I want. 
Mm-hmm. I think that is what builds that, like you're talking about 10 seconds, 15 seconds. It builds that success after success because you're in line with what you want. But it takes work initially, to be honest with ourselves, to say what we really want. Yeah. And sometimes it's a total redirection of your life because you've been doing things one way for so long. And now you're like, but that's not actually what I want. And it yep. can be sort of like that upheaval to say that out loud to the people who are in your life, because it might change some of those relationships too. And, um, but that's been really powerful for me to say, this is what I want. And I've been really fortunate to have a partner who is supportive of that. And, um, I just, I always remind myself, this is just hard. It's not impossible. And the only reason it's impossible is because we make it that way up here. Yep. So those are kind of the mantras that I use. Look for the green lights, change the way you're thinking. It's not hard. It's just impossible. And I use that in all, all the facets of my life now. Those are really good. I'm all for like mantras that I can put in my pocket, you know, mm-hmm. and pull out because what they do, you know, while they can be catchy and everything, what it, what it allows me to do is stop for just that second. Cause it takes like one second, you know, for that mantra. And so I think it's really important, um, to, uh, be able to stop for that second Um, Because then it allows me to have enough space for the second thought, which is, okay, now what's the choice, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's really special. So as we, um, as we close our time together, I could talk to you for hours, Jean, thanks for seriously, this is like one of the most special conversations. We oftentimes have been asking folks who have come on and I ask, I, I reflect a lot um, in, in therapy, actually, I started this of like conversations with our younger selves. So if you could share reflection, um, advice or thoughts to the younger gene, um, what would that look like for you? Oh gosh. I think, I think it's probably pretty common that teenage girls and young girls are looking for affirmation from their peers. Um, and I, that was a big deal for me. I, I, kind of moved around schools a little bit within Bloomington. And I, I wish, I wish I would have been more confident in what I wanted back then. Mm. I wish I could have said, this is what I want. And I'm willing to give up these other things to get it. Um, but I, you know, I, I hear that question asked a lot too. And unfortunately, I just don't think that's the way it works. I think we know that now because of everything we went through when we're asked that question. So I don't, you know, I don't think it would have mattered if someone, I had this like sage in my life who was like, just trust your instincts, just trust your instincts. I think I still would have done the wrong thing and chased the wrong energy. And, and now I know that that's not necessary because it didn't get me what I wanted, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I do think that my experience, um, I turned 40 this December. So my experience from the last 40 years I hope, and I put myself in the position to be a coach. I coach youth track and field and um, my job as a coach now. I hope that I can continue to have these conversations publicly to be able to just continue to lay that message out there of like, there's a lot of ways you can do it. And at the end of the day, if it makes, if it's in line with your goal for yourself and you go to bed feeling like you made good choices or not even good ones, but the best that you could make 
in those moments Mm. because life is not without regret. Nobody lives a perfect life. Nobody, you know, does it all right all the time. But I think if we can keep redirecting and keep refocusing on what we want and what gets us there, um, that's a life. I mean, that is a life that we can be proud of and that's going to, um, you know, leave us feeling really, really honored to have lived it and to have relationships and, um, it's going to leave a legacy that hopefully then does that for other people um, in in the future. So I think that's it. I think I would have probably hoped to trust myself a little bit more and not not chase things that weren't in line with where I ultimately wanted to end up. But I think the best I can do is raise my kids that way and to just keep letting them know that who you are now, even if it's not who you think you should be, is great and awesome. And um, just keep trusting your instincts and they're going to lead you right to where you need to be. Thank you so much for sharing um, that and for sharing a bit of your life. I think, you know, as I said at the beginning, the hope of creating this little space is to do exactly that of just sharing our life experiences. And none of them are super unique. You know, I mean, all of us, I think, come at life just very differently. Um, But what I have um, had the pleasure of understanding is that we're not alone in any of it. And so I really appreciate you being, you know, vulnerable and authentic to be able to share some of that out loud, because that is, that is the primary purpose of, um, what I w- we were hoping to do here is sharing our life out loud because it has brought me so much strength um, and hope really in the times where you're kind of just feeling like you're floating at sea, you know? So thank you for sharing some space with us. I'd love to have you back on. We should continue the conversation. <laughs> um, where I know people will be interested in some of the things that you have going on. Um, are you on social media? Where can we find you? Yes. So another mantra of mine is choose joy. Um, Mm. So that's how I wake up every day. It's like, you can choose it. You got to choose joy. So my Instagram handle is at my cup of joy, like cup of Joe, but C-U-P-P-A-J-O-Y, my cup of joy. And I post all my running there and uh, my family. And it's, it's just one all orange theory. It's everything. I just have one account. It's all, that's me. So I, I leave it in one place. I am on Facebook, but it's all the same information pretty much. And um, yeah, I, I keep it simple. That's it. I just Instagram and Facebook and uh, posting all things running and coaching and parenting and Bloomington, really. <laughs> Townies. I love that. <laughs> Townies for, I mean, for real though. It is so, it is so wonderful to have, you know, moved back here. We took a quick hiatus outside of Bloomington, but moved back and, um, and to be able to have the reconnection of, of people like you, um, and, people who I call friends who I have the chance now to get to know better now that our lives sort of have synced up a bit more is really awesome. So thank you for that. Yes, please check out um, Jean on Instagram at my cup of joy. Um, there's a lot of really good inspirational content there as well. As always, you can find me on natdm 19 on Instagram. We also just started um, a little happy podcast Instagram account. So where we can push all of this content, you'll find this episode and promo for it. Um, some video of our time together, as well as other episodes is at, um, my little happy podcast. Um, and you can find this episode wherever it's streamed, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of the listening platforms. Like I said, um, it is, it means so much, Uh, when you listen and you like and you subscribe. And so please feel free to share uh, and leave a review of this little happy space we are creating. So until next week, 
find the green lights. I love that. I love the idea of um, noticing what we notice. So notice where you are, uh, wherever you may be. Be kind and please be gentle to yourself. And we hope that you find a little happy along the way. We'll chat again soon. Oh, 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 oh,